Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wagner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas. Titans going to win. Uh, so all good vibes. Uh, finally off the off the schneid for the season after two really just t- tough, tough weeks, man. The Giants game was, was a kick in the nuts, to be honest with you, because they should have won that game very easily. Uh, but they melted down in the second half. Giants took advantage. Week two, just an absolute disaster. But I think we kind of all saw that coming because the Bills are just a great team, even though they lost this week to the Dolphins. That one was a little bit fluky, but crushed the Titans. And then this week, I think we came into this one thinking that the Titans were going to win just because the Raiders aren't very good and, and the Titans are better than I think the first two weeks went. Um, so it was good for the Titans to, to get the win. Although I was personally left with a little bit of a sour taste uh, in my mouth because of the second half, it just seemed like they, it just seemed like they didn't want to play football anymore. They just wanted to get out of there. So, what were your thoughts uh, on this game, Will? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, it's good to win a game. Like I think if this would have been the first week of the season, we'd have a lot more complaints than we do now, just because we didn't know how bad it could have gone. But yeah, uh, this game was, it was, you know, everybody said like a tale of two halves and all that kind of stuff. And that's what it was. But, you know, I think there's pretty clear reasons why they were successful and things that they can replicate if they try. Um, you know, they they used a lot. I think somebody said that 48% or something of the dropbacks were uh, play action passes, which is awesome. I mean, Tannehill's averaging 10.9 yards an attempt on play action passes this year. Uh, they have, uh, I think, 11 uh, passes of 20 or longer. They had 35 all of last season. So, I mean, they're they're well on their way to beating that mark. I mean, like, they're almost at 150% uh, a clip, even including the Buffalo game. And that's without Kyle Phillips, who had two of those in, in week one. So, yeah, like, I think everybody did what you wanted them to do. Um, it's good that it's an AFC. Like, you know, I, I don't want to make the other two losses feel like they're not that bad because they should have won week one. Week two, they they were getting their teeth kicked in. Like you said, that was just a terrible place to be. But, I, I mean, 
if you had to pick between one and one against the Raiders and one against the Giants, that you'd rather beat the AFC team. But having said that, like they were a missed field goal, like a field goal that they made this week, by the way, but they were a missed field goal away from winning that game in week one. So yeah, it, it, it helps to kind of know where your baseline is. Like, like you said, I don't think they're as bad as they showed against the bills and the, uh, giants in the first two weeks, but I think they need to realize what they are if they're ever going to compete with the best, like the top five teams in the NFL. So it was good. It was incomplete, but it was, you know, anytime you score 24 points and a half, you know, as long as you win, it doesn't really matter what you do in the second half. Yeah, it, it really just, it, it's good to win. Uh, I agree the AFC thing. Uh, getting a win over an AFC opponent is important because this division uh, is a little bit up in the air. We don't know. The Jaguars look pretty decent, to be honest with you. It seems like Doug Peterson has kind of righted that ship. The Colts are, are going to be in it just because they're like an annoying an annoying team. I, I don't think they're good at all. They're often, I mean, we're going to talk about them since we're playing them uh, next week and we'll do a preview. Um, but the division is kind of up in the air, so it's good for the Titans to, to get a win over an AFC opponent, which could end up uh, being a potential tiebreaker in a wild card uh, spot if it comes to that. I don't think it will. I think the Titans are good enough to win the division outright, but uh, you never know. Uh, so in this game, I want to talk about the offense first. They came out just sizzling. Like that that first half was was what we know the Titans could be and should be. Um, and it seemed like the play calling was was pretty good overall. Uh, everyone was playing well. Uh, Robert Woods looked fantastic. He looked like pre-ACL Robert Woods. Derrick Henry kind of got back to his best. The 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 stat line didn't end up looking amazing, but I thought he looked pretty amazing. Uh, he looked the best he has all season. Tannehill safe for that interception that I don't know what happened. It seemed like he was expecting the receiver to, to run his route a little more like cornered off, uh, and it was a pretty bad route. I can't remember who the intended receiver was actually. Woods. Yeah, it was, it was Woods. Woods. Yeah, it was it was a pretty bad route to be honest with you. Um, still, Tannehill shouldn't have thrown it, uh, but it is what it is. Other than that, he was fantastic. I mean, averaged almost ten yards per attempt, uh, and really looked like the Tannehill that we've known to love. Uh, and the protection held up, which is which was a real problem the first two weeks, uh, but this week against. Max Crosby and uh, and Chandler Jones actually did pretty well uh, overall, which was surprising given that Luan was uh, was out and the Raiders D line was supposed to be like a good matchup for the Titans, like a bad matchup for the Titans. I mean, uh, but they held up well, so I, I was pretty impressed with the offense. Um, but I mean, then the second half happened and they just didn't do anything. Like we went back to playing. Uh, completely scared, and we could talk about, uh, you know, Vrabel's coaching philosophy uh, at a later time, but it's just annoying that the Titans don't sustain this over a, a whole game, you know? Yeah, and it's so weird, right, because it was annoying watching the game, and then, like, live, because you're like, okay, maybe they'll finally stop them this time, but, you know, you look at it, and there's... The offense had, you know, they had the drive where they started off on their own one yard line after that weird uh, punt end zone call, which I, 
I guess I kind of understand. I don't really understand what reestablishing yourself in bounds means if you can do it with like just barely touching an elbow at the same time. Because, but whatever. Um, I thought that was interesting. But they had to drive from the one yard line and and move it down the field there. And they like so that took some time and they didn't get points out of that. And then I think they ended up kicking it uh, through the end zone on another long punt. Then they also had the drive that ended up in the interception. And they had they were something like one of twelve uh, on allowing third like on third down conversions. Like they were, I mean, it doesn't seem like it. And you can go back and watch it, and it's crazy. But they were spectacular on third down stops because, like I said, they like I think they allow they only allowed one out of what's either one out of nine or one out of twelve. I can't remember, but it's a crazy low percentage. They just happened to also allow three out of three fourth down conversions. So. You know, like you, you never want to be in a position where you're letting teams convert, but if they're going for it on fourth downs and you're playing the numbers game, like eventually those, you know, will turn into turnovers. So, you know, there, there's, there's not, it's not all bad. And really the defensive problems can be put squarely on Terrence Mitchell. Like it, we can talk about different things. Like why is he Mitchell, playing? Why is he uh, playing? Yeah, that's the, so that's, that's the that's, that's the thing we need to talk about. That's it's a great question. So Matt Collins had uh, the best day of his career before Sunday. He had 72 yards, and he had 158 on Sunday. So he like he lapped himself and then some in terms of like a career best day. Basically, just taking straight nine routes on Terrence Mitchell and Mitchell getting bullied at the point of attack. Like there was one play that was down the left sideline that was over Fulton, but Fulton jumped and swatted and it was a fingertip away. I mean, it's so close to being tipped. Like that's, that's just the ball was exactly where it needed to be because it wasn't like Fulton was in bad position. There was a safety under uh, over the top. He was just playing underneath it. So that wasn't terrible. And then there was another time on a fourth down where I think he got matched up with a linebacker on like an out route and that got converted. But like, you know, if you've got to have your best matchup on somebody, it's going to be on Devonte Adams. And if you've got to have your second best matchup, it's going to be on Waller. The problem is they decided they self-inflicted that their third best matchup would be Marshall and, or Mitchell. And that was, I mean, you get what you expected to get. And, you know, people talk a lot about how uh, they think I, the young guys like playing and not playing is overblown by me when I talk about how Mike Vrabel doesn't play young guys and doesn't play rookies. And for all intents and purposes, Caleb Farley is still a rookie because he got hurt so early in his uh, rookie year. But man, I, like I, I don't know somebody who mismanages young players worse than Vrabel. Like we're still getting Nick Westbrook Aquina playing snaps over Traylon Burks and you know, that that shouldn't be happening. We're seeing uh, Jeff Swaim and Austin Hooper is is getting better and better. So it's not I don't I, I obviously want him in, but we're still seeing Jeff Swaim get, you know, targets when Chigakonkwo is on the sideline. You know, they they were kind of forced into playing Nicholas Petit Frere, but that was only because he was competing with a young guy and not another veteran or else he would be on the bench, too. Like they just that's a really good point, actually. If they had two Dennis Daly's petite for what Dofty started. Yeah. If if they had Daly before or if they had Questenberry in the building, 
Nicholas Petit Ferrer is not starting. They're they're talking about moving him to right guard, and he's really good at right tackle. Like, I mean, he's all the rookies have been really good. Like, this is a great rookie class. Like, we won't get to fully enjoy it because Vrabel's putting him out there on fifty percent of the snaps, except for Nicholas Petit Ferrer. But, I mean. Traylon Burks had an end around for nine yards and then had a 12 yard slant where he almost like bullied his way into the end zone when he grabbed it in midair and he should have had his first touchdown, but it ended up being, I think it was the handoff to Derrick Henry for his first touchdown of the year. So, I mean, it's aggravating because going back to the root of the problem, Vrabel convinces himself that rookies are or that veterans are professionals and rookies are just kids. And that they have, you know, he always will talk about, like, even Nicholas Petit Frere, like, you know, they they talked about, you know, he did a good job, and they said that on Monday, and he he responded with, well, I would, I'd stop short of saying good, you know, there's things he needs, and it's like, look, man, like, it's it's okay to praise people when they do a good job, like, I, I'm not I'm not opposed to tough coaching or anything like that, but I need to see a coach that is aware of what's happening, is aware of what's happening on the field and relates that doesn't try to gaslight everybody and say, actually, like, I know what you're thinking, but uh, Terrence Mitchell is actually just as good as Christian Fulton. And it's like, no, like, no, he's not, you know, and he's talking about how daily daily's doing a good job and he's putting, you know, he's trying out there and, you know, it's hard for him to grasp because he just joined the Titans. He's been with the Titans for a month. It's not like he got signed this week off of somebody else's team. Like, it it should not be hard. And to my knowledge, he's only been practicing left tackle. So it's not like he's had a big playbook to learn. He's known exactly what he was supposed to be doing. I I don't I don't know why the excuses get made for him. But, you know, yeah, dude, it's because he's older and he's played in the league. And when somebody's played in the league for long enough, they're they turn into professionals to Vrabel. But it's frustrating. And not to take it out on daily because – I think he was slightly better than I thought he was going to be. And he held his own and, you know, they, they chipped a lot with tight ends and all that. And, but, and there's plenty of things he needs to work on, obviously, but I, I don't, I don't know how you can look at them and say that Nicholas Petit Frere wasn't clearly the better tackle. And so th- there's just a lot of inconsistencies in the stuff he says. And for somebody who begs for consistency from every single person, like, I mean, down to the minute details, when you just decide you're going to play one guy over another and there's no rhyme or reason to it, like, I understand why they're not consistent. Like, they don't know what they're getting from their head coach. So, you know, hopefully, I wish it didn't take a veteran getting embarrassed so bad that he let somebody else have a career day, but maybe this will make them worried enough to where they play their six foot two, you know, freak athlete, second year corner who put on muscle in the off season and just needs reps because he was a developmental playing player coming out of college. Like may, maybe this will scare them into letting him actually play. Yeah, I doubt it. He'll probably sign a cornerback off some other practice squad and play him probably over Trey Farley. But, but I mean, yeah. they'll, they'll bring back Trey Avery and they'll, uh, it's, it's wild. I just don't get it. It's it's also weird because Trey Avery's young too. Like he he's gonna kill his confidence too just by putting him out there. So yeah, but he plays You're, special, so it's it's different. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I like I, I don't want to be negative after a loss, um, after a win. Sorry, because 
a win is good. You know, win is a win. We needed a win. They got the job done. But yeah, the Brable's management of young players is is baffling to say the least. And I don't know. Like I, I'm glad he relies on some of them. Like he relies on McCreary and Petit Freer. Um, and Burks, I mean, Burks ran the most routes uh, out of all Titans receivers, I believe, in this game, uh, which is good. But, I mean, throw him the ball a little bit more, you know, design some plays for him because every time he gets the ball, uh, he looks like a stud. So uh, I, I would like to see him get the ball a little more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is what it is with Brable and the young guys. We're just this is just how it's going to be. We have to deal with it, but it's not uh, it, it's not pleasant. Um so you think <laughs> you don't think Farley's going to get on the field, do you? Like this next game, I, I don't. I just don't get it. Like think, he has think, all of the athletic traits, and it, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying he could be Trayvon. I mean, he could be Trayvon Diggs, um, but Trayvon Diggs gets beat all the freaking time, man. He gets yeah. beat every single game for like eighty to hundred yards, and no one says anything because he gets, you know outstanding plays every now and then and there's no reason why Caleb Farley couldn't do the same thing given they're almost very similar athletes and they're both very raw at the position but but Vrabel just like he hates he hates upside he he loves he loves like low floor not even high floor because Terrence Mitchell doesn't have a floor we saw it in this game like he puts players out there um who have zero upside and it's there's just no ceiling on a lot of them. And it's so weird, but it's kind of his philosophy. It's how he coaches also. Like he is super, super afraid to take chances. He hopes that his team could just grind out a victory, even though they were up by two touchdowns at halftime. Like you could see, he just wanted his team to get out there with a win, anything um, like at any cost. And it almost ended up costing him the game, but this is just, this is who he is. Yeah, he begs for C-minus players. Like, there's nothing in the world he wants more than a C-minus player over somebody who could be an A but might have a game where they're a D. Like, he, like, it, I think part of it, and this is just total projection, but I think part of it is when you have a player who's a developmental guy and he's not developing, it exposes how bad you are at developing prospects. But if you say, oh, we have a veteran guy and this is kind of what he is, if you hide that, then you don't put on display that you can't fix and develop a player. Uh, so, you know, it's it's the coach's job is to coach. Like, we, you know, as basic as that sounds, a coach's job is to coach and develop players. So when you and we've gone over this before, but when you fill your uh, coaching staff with guys who you're friends with and you have personal connections with and they're not getting the job done, you fire them after the season or you let them go after the season, but you don't let them get talked bad about it. You know, that's just what you know, it's just what they do like I well, we can go on and, and talk about this over and over, but it's just. It's one of those things where if he's not perfect, then it becomes, well, why did you play him? And for whatever reason, I mean, we've seen Malcolm Butler struggle early in his career with the Titans. We saw Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan's first play with the Titans was like him getting burned in the preseason on a deep route down the right sideline. You know, then Adoree Jackson struggled for like his first like half of his like 
all the Christian Fulton struggled. All these guys struggle, but until he's forced to play him out to like leave him out there because he has no other option, which he had no other option. And he went and found a worse option on, on the, on the free agent market and then threw him in. So it's crazy. It, it's it's <laughs> just a bad job. It's like, yeah. it's so frustrating and it's just, but uh, you know, going back to the original question you asked, like, I do think they have to, I do think they will start him this week because honestly for, for all, all their grandstanding and their bravado, you can peer pressure and bully this coaching staff. Like everybody ripped into Todd Downing about pitches. They stopped tossing the ball. There wasn't a single toss. They read Twitter. I think they read Twitter. (laughs) That's why every now and then I'll at Mike Vrabel because I promise (laughs) you he reads. I I know he reads it. He talks about reading it on busting with the boys. They talk about how he's on Twitter and how he checks things out. It's like, I I promise if you really want to get a point across, tweet at Mike Vrabel. And, and everybody who's listening to this should do it if they have a point because he will read it. You know, uh, he might he might, you know, hate you for it. But, you know, you're probably never going to be best friends with him anyway. So if you've got a point and you want to bully something out of the system, you know, I don't think you can get him to pass the ball more. But if you if enough people say, hey, Todd Downing's terrible, look at these toss plays he's doing, he will realize that. You know, it's not just a vocal minority that everybody sees that this is a stupid thing. And he doesn't want to get embarrassed on television. So it those things magically disappear. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't I don't know how they can not put Caleb Farley out there. Everybody's, you know, I, I didn't hear it this way when I listened to the press conference, but everybody said that he alluded to some changes like potentially happening with the defensive backs. It sounded to me like he kind of said, "We'll we'll see what happens this week." In a in way of him like not having to take accountability for what he did before. So I guess we'll see. But when Elijah Molden's off of the pup list, the corners are going to be Christian Fulton, uh, uh, McCreary, and and Molden in the slot. And we're back to Farley not getting reps. So why wouldn't you at least give him reps now? Because it's not a problem that's going to bother you throughout the, you know, throughout the year. I don't understand why you would clam up now, but uh, this is kind of the last chance. So we'll see. Yeah, hopefully Farley gets out there uh, against the Colts. He should have a good matchup uh, if he does. He'll probably go up against Alec Pierce a good amount, who's just a really raw uh, receiver, very athletic, very fast, uh, pretty big too, but I think he's a good matchup for Farley. So hopefully we see um, we see that this week. Um, before we move on to the Colts, uh, kind of want to just get your thoughts on the offense as a whole. Um, obviously, we talked about the first half, second half splits um, that they were just a completely different team. Um, the offense itself kind of cratered as well, but. Man, they just looked amazing in the first half. Like they looked like the the Arthur Smith offense from from 2020. Like th- that's what we've been wanting to see. Um, do you think they could keep this up? Uh, what what did you what did you think of the offense? And do you think that was probably the the uh, the biggest bright side coming out of this game? Yeah, I I think personally, when you you know as I do ten full style. I think they're letting Tim Kelly have more of a say. And I think that because after this past game, when they were talking about what worked on offense, Vrabel said that 
he and Todd and um, I'm sure you called him Timmy uh, and uh, Keith, meaning Keith Carter, all worked on the run game this week. And that's weird because Tim Kelly's responsibilities on paper is passing game coordinator. It's not offensive assistant coach. You know, it's not, it's it's very clearly passing game coordinator. So now that he's being on, on now that it's on record that he has a hand in the running game too, the week after they have their best running success and they have instead of just one good drive of football, they have a whole half of football that that worked well. I would say that he's getting more of a voice and maybe, you know, maybe I should be reading more positively and maybe I should say that Todd Downing is, you know, listening to more, you know, he, he's, he's willing to accept advice from other people and he's going out and, you know, seeking that and Kelly's providing it, but whatever we're seeing on the field is not coming from Todd Downing's brain. It, it's coming from somebody else and he is relaying the calls. So, whether that means that they work out a script and then Tim Kelly says, okay, here's 20 other plays that I like, or whether it's okay, here's your 12 play script. And, you know, if, if you have something you want me to look at, let me know. And I'll tell you what I think you should do on the next drive, whatever it is, it's, it's different. And I don't have, you know, people have a problem with the, the third and one Derrick Henry, like obvious run, yeah, I mean, I do too, but Derrick Henry has never been a good short yards runner, a short yardage runner outside of the goal line. He just, he stops his feet. He did it last year against Cincinnati and it cost him a drive. He, that's just who he is. He's not, he's not the guy you want running in the A gap on third and one and fourth and one. You would rather have him on the He's edge. not a power back. He's just not no. a power back. No, he's not. And it's crazy to say, but that's not, he's a finesse back with, a lot of power once he builds up speed. But, you know, if you've got to have somebody like, if somebody's going to square him up at the line of scrimmage, he's not going to shake. And he, and he might not even fall forward. And that's not, that's not a knock to him. That's just not the style with the, how he runs. And it never has been. So uh, I think it's always stupid when they do that, but I understand that when they get criticism on the Aconquo jet sweep, which there are different ways than just those two, like, I can't remember the last time Tannehill went for a quarterback sneak and didn't get the yardage. I, I don't know why they don't do that more or why that's not just, uh, but anyway, yeah, like I, I've, I have, I don't have any problems with that. Cause I understand why they do it, even if it doesn't work, but yeah, like the first half stuff was all good. You know, in the second half they got, they clammed up. They didn't know they hadn't had a lead like that and they didn't really know how to preserve it. So I, I give them some small grace there because the book is out on what the Titans offense should be. It should be heavy play action pass runs predominantly on the right side or up the middle, nothing out wide to the left. If you're going to run it to the left, you should do it with power where you're mo where you're pulling uh, Davis across the formation, or you've got uh Tory Carter working and going up through there. But it, it can't just be with left guard, left tackle. And even if you put a tight end there, it just doesn't work very well. But you can break out to that. You know, you can run up the middle and bounce left. Like, that That stuff works works well enough. And I think we saw on that long run that Henry had that it was, you know, a power. I, I don't know if it was power 
or counter what it was, but I'm pretty sure Nate Davis pulled on it and got got space, and he went upfield and had you know his probably his biggest lane in in the middle of the line that he had all year. So that's fine, but you know none of the toss stuff. And as much as I hate the screen to Derrick Henry, the nine times a year it doesn't work. When it works, it looks great. And as soon as Derrick Henry realizes he has hands, he's a much better threat. And that that's what you saw this week, too. So I don't know if you make I loved, him— I loved that they got him more involved in the passing game because it just it gives you a different dimension on offense. And I know Henry is not a good receiver uh, generally, yes. but if he just catches the ball— like it's fine. It that's that's the yeah. real issue. Um, but I, I like I like using him in the passing game. Get him as many touches as you can out in space because that's generally where he he does most of his damage. Well, I like it a lot more like when they threw it to him over the middle because it's like Yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of what yeah. Yeah, because it's like when when you throw it out to the side, he kind of gathers and then he like turns around and then he looks, and by then you've already got people like coming up on you. If you can see that he's got enough space in the middle to just dump it off, then there's usually more space for him, and he can turn and kind of get upfield. But he, I think he just looks to set up too much when he's out on the outside of it. So that works. And then Dontrell Hilliard is awesome. Stud. Like, so yeah. explosive. Yeah, get him like, more touches. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have to make him a slot. They used some two-back looks this week, which – I need to look at why they did that. I, I didn't go and specifically look at that, but I made note of it when the game was going on. So it, they they love Hilliard, and I get it. Hilliard's fun. Like Hilliard's a really fun back. Like I, I mean, I I think he's back next year. I, I think they want him as long as he'll stay. So I, I, and I'm all for that. So that that's good. Robert Woods had four for 85 in the first half. And I think that's part of why Tannehill threw that interception is because he and Woods were just so in sync that I, I think what because what you don't see is because uh, you know I was at the game and after that play Woods and Tannehill come together on the field and they talk and like Tannehill like after they're ta- done talking like Tannehill pats him on the head and they both kind of walk away together and I, the, it's clear that there is a miscommunication there like not that like not something that's not fixable and not like Woods ran the wrong route or Tannehill made a bad throw, just that they saw two different things in the moment. And I think when you go back and watch it, I don't, I think Woods lets up when he's coming back. And I think Tannehill expected him to play back through it. Even then, I don't, I don't think he should throw that ball, but it was, it's hard because like I said, they were on absolute fire in the first half. I mean, there were 20 yards of, you know, a completion. So and they had a 40 yarder too. So it's like, it's hard to knock that at all, but I, I think they would like to have that one back, but it's a good sign going forward, how good they looked. And they're only going to get more explosive on offense when they get Phillips back. So yeah, like, I think, I think this is something you can replicate if you just realize who's making the good calls and what's working. And hopefully I know it's asking a lot, but hopefully over time throughout the season, they can they can start to see the things that are working and start to build on those and say, okay, that worked twice. What if we tried it four times? And then they can slowly just figure out what team they should be instead of the team that they started out as. Yeah, uh, I think you might be on something with the Tim Kelly thing. Uh, it really does feel like just the Jim Schwartz thing from last year where he – just has a big influence 
uh, on what his side of the ball is doing. Um, you know, I was kind of going back through the second half drives, and I don't know. I feel a little bit better uh, about the offense as a whole because, I mean, first drive, you have that interception that you say could be a miscommunication. It, it's probably true. Um, I don't think Tannehill really would throw a ball that that poorly. And then second drive after that, you have that misconnection with Traylon Burks, who almost caught it. It would have been a, a very good catch. Tannehill threw it a little bit behind him. Uh, if he puts it on his numbers, that's a first down. And we're looking at a really good drive that could possibly uh, end in a touchdown. Then you have the fourth and one from our own 46-yard line. I know Mike Rabel doesn't like to gamble. I would have liked to see see them go for that. Like, just run a QB sneak or give it to Henry. Do something. If you can't trust your offense to to get one yard, then then what are we doing here, you know? Um, and then the drive after that, we had the Max Crosby sack that ended up uh, in a fumble that was recovered uh, by the Titans, but that totally derailed the drive. So when you consider all of that, the Titans like, could have easily put up a lot more points in this game. Um, and I don't know that the second half struggles were were really like on the offensive play calling. I, I think it was just more so a bit of bad luck and, and just general uh, a lack of execution. So I feel pretty good about the Titans uh, uh, offense going forward uh, after that performance. Um, let's wrap up with uh, the Raiders game. What do you what do you think? What, any final thoughts on, on the game? Uh, as a whole, other than the the things we've talked about so far? Yeah, I'll say it was interesting to watch the defense against a non-mobile quarterback because they really absolutely abused Daniel Jones in week one, and but they got burned by him later with you know how much he moved around and with some of his runs and all that, and I think that kind of freaked them out, and they they just did a terrible job against Josh Allen, but so does everybody, you know, uh, apparently. So it was interesting to watch them play against David Carr because they didn't really attack him with blitzes, which you might think that they would given, you know, like having Bud Dupree. Like, I, I don't like bringing injuries up about Bud Dupree because it triggers everybody and they're like, he's a terrible signing. And I'm like, he's not. He's he's good when he's out there. But, you know, they didn't play Bud Dupree. They didn't play Ola Daney, who has been hurt all season two, which is aggravating. They didn't have Harold Landry. So they were down to Rashad Weaver, who had a sack, and he looks awesome. Uh, and then they used uh, Autry and Simmons and, you know, kind of tried to make their, make things happen that way. But they used a lot more of those four-man stunts with the defensive line. And you can see where they were just, I mean, just half a second off on a lot of those. And I, I think a lot of that is because – the Titans were so careful about making sure that they had Adams and uh, Waller covered that they really didn't. It wasn't like they were playing underneath and they were ready to jump anything. They were really bracketing those guys. And then that led to a lot of like other people getting open, like Foster Moreau, I think, had a long catch that convert either converted. I know it, it was a first down, but then, you know, obviously. Uh, what's his name? Mac Hollins. I wanted to call him Mac Wilson. Uh, Mac Hollins and then uh, somebody else had a catch that was aggravating, but and I know Waller dropped one, but anyway, the point is like if they can do the same thing that they did last year, where 
the longer the season goes, they get more confident on the back end and there's more consistency there. And they start to attack those balls when they're in the air instead of being passive. I, I think that defensive front will become more dangerous because quarterbacks will hold the ball longer, which leads to more sacks, which leads to trying to get the ball out quicker, which leads to more interceptions. And I think that'll start feeding into itself and, and getting better and better throughout the year. But I, I said, uh, throughout, I said, I don't know if I said it the whole week or just once I realized that they were going to be down some linemen and going to have a new combination, but they, this was a good week to get back to seven in coverage, four on the defensive line attack and, and going from there. And they did that. And so it's good to know that it's not a completely different playbook. Cause that's what it looked like in week one and week two. So that's that's positive news and something that isn't going to get talked about a lot this week. But the the pass rush was solid. It just wasn't great. So a, a little bit here, a little bit there, and Simmons and Autry both have a sack, and then it starts looking a lot different. But it's good that Weaver looks as good as he does, and I think the defense will be fine, but we'll just see going forward. Yeah, I think uh, obviously the Landry injury hurt a lot, but I think it's going to be very beneficial for Rashad Weaver. Um, to get these reps, and I think he's going to turn into, I don't know if a star, but a very, very good edge player. Uh, and once we get to pre-back, should be hopefully next week, uh, or hopefully within the next couple of weeks, uh, that that defensive line is going to just eat like it did last year. So uh, looking forward to seeing how the defense plays uh, going forward. I also liked that they could actually take away weapons if they choose to, instead of like week two when they just let Stefan Diggs do everything against them. But in this game, they took out Devontae, they took out Waller, just completely neutralized them. So it's good that they realize that they can do that uh, if they want. So uh, that'll do it for the Raiders game. We're going to take an ad break here, and then we're going to come back and talk about the Titans week four opponent, the Indianapolis Colts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, moving on to week four, we have the Indianapolis Colts, who very annoyingly beat the Kansas City Chiefs at home uh, in week three. I thought that was a lock. 
for the Chiefs, but obviously there's no lock in the NFL. Just a supremely disappointing performance by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I guess you have to give credit to the Colts for staying in it, but the Chiefs' kicking game was a disaster. It led to, I think, two field goals that generally, if Butker is playing, they would have made. Uh, one of them, they ran a fake field goal because they didn't trust their kicker at all. It was like fourth and 12 or something, I think. Uh, so that was super weird. But the Colts ended up getting the job done. They went on like a marathon drive at the end of the game. And then Matt Ryan threw a touchdown to Jelani Woods uh, for the game winner with, I think, 24 seconds left. And then they ended up uh, just doing enough to hold on. So good win for the Colts. Definitely uh, it, it keeps things very interesting within the division. Uh, and within the AFC playoff race as well. Uh, the Titans come into this game 1-2. and two. The Coles come into this game 1-1-1. One, one and one. Uh, What do you think? Do, do, you think, do you think the Colts are, are going to be able to give the Titans a, a real, just, just real problems in this one? I don't know. The, the, the thing I struggle with is Matt Ryan has looked like abject trash, trash. yeah he's, like he's he's been he's been horrible like and and you know people can sugarcoat it with whatever but he's just he looks bad like he looks old he looks slow the only reason they put up any points against the texans is because the texans were up by 14 it may have been 16 they, they were up by double digits in the fourth quarter and i don't think and i know sorry i know at that point that the Colts had not scored a touchdown. I don't, I shouldn't say I know. I'm pretty sure the Colts hadn't scored a touchdown. I think they kicked two field goals. Um, so like that was bad. Then they get shut out by the Jaguars, which, you know, everybody is hot on the Jaguars now. And we'll, we'll talk about them later in the season once they leveled out and they don't get to play hurt quarterbacks all the time. But, you know, they got demolished in that game and he looked terrible uh, again in their offensive line. I think he's gotten sacked 14 times. Uh, so that's not good. The, for comparison, Tannehill's gotten sacked four times. So uh, I think he had back-to-back games where he got sacked five times. Uh, again, this, this, I'm not, I'm not as sharp on the Matt Ryan stuff as I should be just because I hadn't looked too far into it other than uh, right after the Titans game on Sunday. So, Long story short is they're a running team, whether they want to be or not, with a stationary quarterback, no dynamic weapons at wide receiver, not nothing really special at tight end, and they've got offensive line problems, and they had that last, you know, it's not like they fixed them in their win versus the, the Chiefs, the Chiefs just completely collapsed, like, I don't we'll see what happens with Shaq Leonard and if he plays and all that, but you know, I, I, I don't know that they, they're, they're so not impressive, but neither were the giants last year and the giants came in and, you know, beat the Titans. So it, it's not, we're, we're not at a point where we've seen this team play well enough to where we should be confident about anything, but you know, I think if the Titans play like they did in the first half, they'll beat the Colts by 40 points if they wanted to. But if they play like they did in the second half or like they did in the second half of the Giants game or in the the second half of the Bills game, they'll get stomped because what's going to happen is they're just going to continue to feed 
Taylor and Hines and just, you know, little dump offs and screens and runs and they're going to run it right, you know, right up the middle and the Titans just won't be able to stop it. So I, I, I don't know, like everything in the matchup, whether it's the pass rushers versus the offensive line that favors the Titans, the wide receivers versus the defensive backs. That favors the Titans when they play Kyle Phillips, Traylon Burks, and Robert Woods. You know, the the coverage versus the receivers on the other end. It's like, okay, if you can cover Pittman like you covered Adams, then yeah, like, you know, may, make their third best wide receiver beat you, and hopefully you don't play Ter- Terrence Mitchell like Terrence Mitchell, then yeah, like that should favor the Titans too. Like, everything on paper says that the Titans should be that the Titans are the better team and that they should win this game. Even, you know, even recent history says that when you've watched these teams go against each other, it's just, can you trust the Titans to do things well two weeks in a row? And that that's the scary part. So it, it's just a case of, are the Titans going to beat themselves again? 100%. Like I, I don't, I don't even know what to say about this Colts team because they're they're not good. Like I I don't know how they beat the Chiefs uh, other than the Chiefs losing that game, and it's very possible that the Titans are going to lose this game by themselves. They've done it already uh, this season, and they've done it in seasons past, so it could happen, and it might. It, it very well might. But I'm just looking at the underlying statistics for the Colts, and I've seen them play. Like they're not a good team. They're actually quite bad. Uh, Matt Ryan doesn't look good at all. He looks really slow. He's not processing things. Their offensive line is is a disaster. Like, I don't know what's going on there. They're supposed to be one of the best units in the NFL, but they cannot hold up uh, in pass protection, and they're not really run blocking all that well uh, for Jonathan Taylor. I also saw some clips earlier today um, of Jonathan Taylor running the ball and the Colts receivers just just not blocking anyone. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, I guess that's what happens when you put Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin on the field for so many snaps. But I don't know. The, this team is weird. Uh, the defense isn't even that good. They have they only have four sacks all season. Like yeah, as I, many as the Titans had in the first half against the Giants. Yeah. I was just about to say that. And yeah. by the way, the two quitty pay sacks came in overtime against the Texans. Like. It's not it's not like it's been in regulation. It was when everybody was tired and they'd rotated enough to where he went against Titus Howard. And I believe he beat Titus Howard both times. And it was just it's not like, oh, he put in a fancy move. It's like, no, like he he was kind of trashed the whole time. And I didn't even realize he was playing. And then he got like two sacks pretty quick. Like. And again, like you don't want to throw too many stones in glass houses here because we don't know we don't know who the Titans pass rushers are going to be on Sunday. And we also, you know, Mike Vrabel has a nickname for Daly and he calls him Double D. So, you know, he's going to be the starting left tackle for 30 years if he can keep him because I'm sure they're buds now. But I, we don't know how he'll do against a young speed rusher. We saw him hold up well against Chandler Jones. But, you know, Pay and Ngakwe are both 27 and 24, sorry, 24 and 27 respectively. So, We'll see how that goes. But even then, it's like, I mean, they have, what, one interception? Is that all they have all year? Is that, yeah, they've yeah. taken away one time. 
like they it's on not the last like, play of the of the Chiefs game is what it was. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like it's not like I I, I don't like they're not. It, they're not an opportunistic defense, but like no. they're not terrible. They're not a terrible defense. They actually like keep things in front of them, and they play pretty solid run defense. But I mean, I don't. They're well, they're so boring. They're such a bland so team. Because it's like it's like I, like I want to say they're like solid but not spectacular, right? But they let the Texans have twenty points, and it should have been worse. And they were getting torched by OJ Howard until the Texans started trying to run out the clock and. Lovey Smith it up and they, you know, they, they ended up in a straight up tie. So it's like, that's not very impressive. They let Jacksonville have some short fields, but they still gave up 24 points to him. And, you know, Jacksonville's offense is better than it was last year, but it's still not like they didn't do anything well again. You know, it's not like they took things away. And then Kansas city, like was arguing, you know, Mahomes and Bienemy were arguing on the sideline because they wouldn't let him throw the ball. Like, I, not to mention, Kelsey dropped a touchdown in that game, and they should have had two field goals that their special teams just completely uh, botched. So, theoretically, the Chiefs probably should have had like 30 points in that game. Um, but I mean, this kind of stuff happens in Coles games for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. So, you know, like. Are they just a lucky team that, you know, gets gets enough things right to where they win? Because that's scary to the top. You know, it's like that. that's we have not seen them beat a good team this year. So but at the same time, are they going to be able to stop the offense now that they know what they're doing? You know, it, it's again and I feel like it's going to be a lot of ways this year, but or, or this is going to happen a lot of times this year. But man if the Titans just do what they're supposed to do and what they're good at on paper, they should be a 10 point favorite. You know, even if they don't get 10, you know, even if they get three sacks, which I think is a, is a pretty reasonable number for this group against this bad offensive line. Like if they play conservative, make them drive the field, all that. And they just play the same way they played the Raiders, unless the Colts get three fourth down conversions, uh, then I don't, I don't expect it to be, a close game, but we'll, I mean, but again, like uh, not, not trying to jinx anything and knocking on wood and all that, but it's just like on paper, especially if the, and maybe the Titans don't get Bud Dupree back, but we've seen how quick uh, Mike Vrabel's trigger finger is when it comes to putting guys on injured reserve, if they're going to miss more than one game. And he said after the Dupree injury to his hip, that he didn't think it was anything long-term and that it wasn't that serious. So it wouldn't surprise me if he came back this week. It also wouldn't surprise me if he didn't come back for five weeks, just because that's kind of how Mike Vrabel is. But you would think that there's some pass rush help coming, whether it's Ola or whether it's uh, Dupree. So that combined with the fact that Autry's playing better, which Autry, uh, that that's another thing we should have talked about is Autry had a sack against the Bills when it still was close and they didn't really get a chance to attack the same way after, you know, towards the end, but Autry has looked good and Simmons has looked good, even if they're not putting up numbers. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm talking a lot and saying a lot of the same things because I'm trying to reassure myself that the Titans won't mess this up. But, you know, we, we know what this team is. We know that they, they value these division games, but they also every now and then will have a game like they did against the Colts with Phillip Rivers that one time when they hosted on Thursday night and, 
you know, laid an egg. And then last year when they had the Texans at home in a rainstorm and threw it 50 times, like they, they are not above shooting themselves directly in the foot. Even when there's an easy, like an easy path to success in front of them. Yeah. We're going to say the same thing pretty much before every game. Like if the Titans just do their job, they should win not every game, but they should win most games because they have a lot of talent. They have good players at almost every position and they have a good culture. You know, they, they believe in their, their head coach. They believe in their coaching staff um, and all that kind of contributes to a very good football team, which we've seen the Titans be. Uh, unfortunately, they have lapses like we saw uh, in the Giants game and we've seen it in the past. But I mean, in a division game like this, they really should come in and, and be on their A game. Uh, I feel like they usually are in division games. I, I don't remember what their division record was last year um, or the year before that, but I feel like generally they are up for it. Uh, so hopefully they do come in uh, and play well on the road here. I I mean, I think they were five and one back to back years, right? Yeah. Because they lost to the Texans yeah. at home and then they lost to the Colts at home the year before that with Phillip Rivers. But they they beaten the Jags both times. They swept Deshaun Watson uh, the, when he played, and then they swept the Colts last year. So they, they should be five and one. So ten and two over the last two years. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I mean, maybe that'll change this year. Maybe it's just a different Titans team. Um, Jaguars look solid. Colts do not, and the Texans are just just weird. Uh, just a basic team. But um, I don't know. I like. Uh, the Titans really should win this game. I, I think the only, not the only way, there's several ways that they could lose this game. But, I mean, if they let Jonathan Taylor run wild on them and, and they decide to put Terrence Mitchell one-on-one with Michael Pittman for the whole game, then, yeah, we might have severe problems. But um, other than that, like, the Titans should win this game. They're just a more talented team. Uh, they're playing better, all things considered. Uh, and, and they just have better players at, at a lot of positions. So I, I, I don't know really what else to say about it other than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's it. And we're going to we're going to have to walk on eggshells until we're we're convinced that they can play up to their potential, like not even up to their potential, just, you know, play a couple of good quarters because, you know, that's what this team did last week. They played two good quarters and then, you know, the Titans scored as many points in the first half as as the Chargers did in the whole game against the Raiders when they were fully healthy. Like, and more than the Cardinals scored on them, you know, offensively, even when you include overtime. So, you know, it's not like this was a terrible defense. The Titans, well, in like above and beyond, you know. It's like, I don't know the right way to say this, but it's not like it's they put up points on a bad defense and then everybody they're facing from here on out is going to be harder. In reality, that's a pretty middle of the road to goodish defense. They just understood how to attack them. So this will be another test there, and we'll we'll see what happens. But there's so many different data points on what the Titans could be based on what we've seen so far, and they're trending in a positive direction. But then again, like it's hard to say that when the middle point on your two data points is a game against the bills where you get stomped out on Monday night. So we just need more data points on what this team is going to be and how flexible they're going to be. And 
unfortunately, we're just taking it week by week. So we kind of have to walk on eggshells with what we say because we just don't know what to trust in this team, which I'll say this and then we can move on. It sucks for a team that preaches continuity so much and has the same, quote-unquote, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator from last year and who've been on the staff for forever, and yet every season it feels like we get a new a new result. Like, there, there, is, no, there is nothing solid except for the fact that we know Vrabel's going to force the offense to run the ball uh, an, an inordinate amount. Like, that's the only constant we get from year to year, which is aggravating and seems antithetical but here we are yet again yeah always going to be cautious with this team especially after i said there was no chance they were going to lose the giants um so i should never talk again but anyway uh hopefully the titans come into this game ready to play and they beat the colts because man that this is this is the stretch of games where they could really separate themselves uh not in the division because the jaguars are, are are playing well um, and I think they have a pretty easy stretch coming up. But the Titans get the Colts this week, then they get the Commanders, then they get the Colts again, and then the Texans. Um, after that, they get the Chiefs, but then they get the Broncos, who are a dumpster fire. I don't know how they. I don't know. I even know how they win games, um, just by sheer sheer will. But the Titans have a chance to really separate themselves from some of the other uh, AFC teams, and, and I hope they do it. So that'll. So, no, that won't be it for us. We're going to take an ad break, though, uh, and then we're going to come back and wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Will, do you have your Stop the Nonsense? I do. Uh, I hope I'm not taking yours because we didn't talk about this beforehand. But all, all week long, there was concerns about whether Justin Herbert would play for the Chargers, and that was a big deal. I thought it was overblown at the time until I saw the report from Adam Schefter, which was uh, Chargers quarterback. I'm, I'm reading this verbatim from the uh, Sunday afternoon quote, which says Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert is expected to make a game a decision during pregame warmup about whether to take pain killing injection in his fractured rib cartilage to try and play versus the Jaguars per sources. Again, if insane you're not on sentence, by the way, just an insane sentence. Well, <laughs> and, and if you're not on social media, you don't understand the full depth of it, because this is the guy that almost killed Terod Taylor uh, when he gave him the injection that deflated his uh, that punctured his lung or whatever and led to Herbert starting like Herbert. The only reason Herbert ever started and not, I shouldn't say ever, but the only reason he started as early as he did is because. Uh, Terod Taylor needed the same thing. He got an injection, got a punctured lung, went out and set the world on fire, I believe, against the Chiefs, and the rest is history. And now, in some sort of weird karmic thing, he goes out and he gets his injection, and he looked terrible. I mean, he just got, like, he was Peyton Manning on the way to the Super Bowl in his final year levels of uncomfortable and wincing and kind of just never fully there. And after the game, I don't, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but the coach basically said, Hey, this isn't an injury that's going away. He's going to have to deal with this every week. And they asked him, uh, the media asked him whether or not he would consider like sitting him on the bench or stepping in. And he said, yeah, that's something I'll have to consider at some point. So 
who like you know the Chargers play the Titans I believe in December or late late November it's late in the year so I don't know if this will have any impact on the Titans game at all but just from a sheer human perspective it's crazy that they have their franchise quarterback out there taking hits for no reason and playing in a game where you know now they didn't know this at the time but they knew before that they weren't going to have Keenan Allen and then during the game they lost they're all pro second year left tackle and uh, Bosa is out with a groin injury week to week. And one of their top four receivers tore his ACL. So it's like I, just a colossal like domino effect of bad things happening. And you also, your quarterback gets a week more hurt instead of a week more recovered. So uh, it, it's, it's a weird situation going on with the chargers right now. And, you know, they beat, uh, the Raiders in week one, but they may not win another game for a long time. Uh, I mean, they are banged up and hurt in kind of the worst way. So we'll, we'll see what happens to them from here on out. But to inject, to have him injected in the same spot by the doctor who I believe is still pending litigation with Tyra Taylor. And also to know that this is going to be a long-term injury, not put him on injured reserve, even for a little bit is, insane to me yeah i'm gonna piggyback on this because it was my stop the nonsense also but i yeah. think it, i think it should be everyone's stop the nonsense to be honest uh it, it's the biggest story i think um and f- first of all why is that doctor still employed by the team i have no idea it, absolutely ridiculous uh first of all and the fact that you're putting your franchise quarterback uh his life in his hands is crazy crazy after what happened but Everything you mentioned was completely true, and I agree with everything. You did forget to mention that Herbert not only played in this game, he played it the entire game. Oh, like, yeah. The entire fourth quarter up until the last snap of the game, he was in there. They were down four touchdowns, four touchdowns. And your quarterback, who has fractured ribs, clearly is hurt. And there's no way you're going to get back into this game. It's week three, by the way, If as if we had to mention that. It's not like this game is going to determine, you know, a do-or-die playoff game or elimination game uh, from the playoffs. Like, this, is, this was one of the craziest coaching decisions I, I've ever seen in the NFL. And I, I, don't think, I don't think this coach is making it the entire season. Not only because of this, like, I just have bad vibes about this organization. Like, it seems like there's a severe disconnect between him um, and the front office and even his quarterback. I I saw a report also that the players, like, aren't completely buying into what this coaching staff uh, is is preaching in the locker room. So, man, just just a complete disaster. And this guy, every time he comes up to – to speak at a press conference, everyone raves about him, but it's over now. Like everyone just bashes on him now because he's like a fake, he's a fake sharp. He's one of those, one of those coaches. And it's terrible because I love Herbert, man. I love watching that guy play. I think he's a legit top five quarterback in the NFL, but man, this guy, this coach might, might be about to ruin him. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I agree with all that stuff. I think it's funny because he, he kind of said everything everybody wants to hear, which is he used analytics and he's more aggressive. You know, supposedly he's going to be more aggressive on fourth downs. And he was, you know, 
uh, a, a he's he's young and he looks little, but like he was basically like a child prodigy, like as a defensive coordinator with the Rams, you know, blah blah blah. And then now we're here, and so that's his defense know. sucks. By the way, he's like a defensive-minded yeah. coach. His defense stinks. Well. It's partially because you can't have Derwin James in a functional defense. Like, you know, <laughs> hot take or not, like Derwin James and Jamal Adams make it impossible to. Th- there is no way to have a functioning offense or functioning defense with them if you're going to try to treat them like a normal safety. And if everybody knows that you're not treating them like a normal safety, they just treat them like an overhang linebacker, and it becomes really hard, really hard to play defense that way too. So, um, just so everybody, you know. You get two different ones because I was between two things on the stop the nonsense. Uh, I'll go ahead and talk about uh, the Gators and their game plan for the, the Tennessee Vols. Uh, so this was six days ago. So last Wednesday when we're recording this, it said uh, Gators linebacker Amari Bernie. I assume that's a real player uh, says, quote, we're going to have a very good game plan for Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. I can't give away too much. Uh, if you saw the game, you know that they did not have a good game plan for Hendon Hooker and that Hendon Hooker could have put up easily 60 points if he wanted to. The only reason the Vols stopped scoring is because they chose to stop passing and attacking vertically because they were already up by, you know, double digits in the fourth quarter and didn't feel like gashing them anymore. And, you know, with Cedric Tillman, their their wide receiver one, like top, 50 top 75 you know wide receiver prospect that'll come out this year with him not playing you know no disrespect to florida but we got other games to play like we you know the the vols don't have two losses on their record already like they're an actual team with things to play for so you don't want to have your best players taking shots or you know or, or running the risk of getting anybody else injured like you know, we pulled the. When I say we, I speak for all Vols. We pulled our starters because, you know, we did that versus Ball State too. Like, I mean, that's just what we do when we're ahead by so much. And, you know, I I I know that it felt like it was close at the end, and y'all had a prayer after the onside kick. But, you know, I, I'm I hope this teaches everybody in a, I don't know what do you call yourself, Gator Nation maybe. I hope I hope it helps let y'all understand what the future will look like as long as Tennessee has an, a coach slash offensive coordinator who understands how to pass the ball vertically, which we have not had in 15 years, 10 years. So that, that's a fun little treat for everybody in here who either went to UT or is a Vols fan. Shout out balls. My, uh, my new college team. Uh, I did see the score. I thought it was close. Uh, but apparently it wasn't even close at all. So uh, shout out to the balls. By the way, the state of Tennessee just just destroyed the stri- state of Florida in, in college football this weekend. Tennessee, the balls beat the Gators. Uh, and then my alma mater, the Miami Hurricanes, lost to Middle Tennessee. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. Thankfully, I didn't watch the game because just cannot watch that team anymore. Every decision, every head coaching decision they make is worse than the other one. So... Don't care anymore, but uh, go balls from now on. Uh, we appreciate you, and you are welcome uh, anytime. You know, Hypo is from UC, like coached at UCF. He's from Oklahoma, but he, you know, was in your state, so you can claim him a little bit. That'll help. There you go, UCF, the first college I ever got accepted to. 
So very, very near to my heart. Uh, so that'll do it for us for this week. We'll be back next week, hopefully to recap a Tennessee Titans victory over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, for Matias, for Will, thanks for tuning in. And remember to always stop the nonsense. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.